Last week, Chris and I had the opportunity to go to Jerusalem and uh, meet with some leaders. And in between meetings, we were able to do a little exploring. And we've had the privilege of going to the Holy Land many times, but we're always leading groups. And so we've been able to go to many meaningful places like the Garden of Gethsemane, the Mount of Olives, um, and the place where Jesus died and rose again. But there's always been one place we've wanted to go but haven't been able to. Uh, it's way out of the way. Uh, and when you're leading a tour group, you're on a tight schedule. And that place is Shiloh. It's the place where in the Old Testament, they placed the tabernacle which contained the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant which contained the presence of God rested for over 300 years right there at Shiloh. And so we mentioned this to our Israeli friend Eliav, and he said, I can take you there. I've been there before. It's amazing. So Eliav picked us up at our hotel room the next morning, and we drove um, far north of Jerusalem, deep into the West Bank, all the way to ancient Shiloh. And it was amazing. Archaeologists have unearthed this ancient city, and they've also found this rectangular-shaped cutout from the bedrock that is the exact dimensions of the tabernacle in the Old Testament. And so there we were standing in the very place where the Ark of the Covenant had rested for 367 years. And it was so moving to Chris and I because we realized that now we're the tabernacle. If you're a Christ follower, the God of the universe, his presence now dwells inside of you. We are that tabernacle. And so it was a really beautiful and peaceful place, and all the wildflowers were blooming. Here's a picture looking over the hillside there in ancient Shiloh. It was just beautiful. And then here, here's a picture even more beautiful. Just look at this, my beautiful wife at Shiloh. And you can see that she's really happy to be there. She's also looking a little mischievous because she had just been looking at all these pieces of pottery all along the ground there at Shiloh. And you dig just a little bit, and you see another piece of pottery that's broken. And, and so she started picking up a few of them, and, and she said, Eliav, you know, is it okay if I take a couple of these pieces of pottery? And he said, well, there's just thousands of them here, and hardly anybody comes here, so I don't see why not. And so with that, she became an archaeologist right away because her dream in life is to go to Israel and just bring a shovel and start digging because anywhere you dig, you're going to dig up something so you know, important and amazing. They just don't have time to get it all. And so she started picking up pottery and we started going on our cell phones and looking up. We became ceramics experts. And is this Byzantine? Is this first century? Is this Israelite? What is this little broken piece here? And, and so we were just looking at all these pieces. And then we asked Eliav, how come there are thousands of broken pieces of pottery around here? And he said, well, in the Old Testament, there was a regulation that if your earthenware or your piece of pottery or cookware became ceremonially unclean, then you couldn't just wash it and make it clean. You had to smash it and destroy it because it could never be made clean again. And it was a powerful symbol to the people that they were broken, that they were unclean. And that's why they needed a Messiah, a Savior, to come and bring cleansing and wholeness to their brokenness. And so Chris and I, I have to admit, don't tell anyone, but we took a couple of pieces of pottery and we really don't know if it was 
from the Israelite time or someone just broke it last week, you know, and spread it around to get some tourists excited. I, I don't know. That's what they do in the Valley of Elah where, the, where David fought Goliath. You go to the exact place, the riverbed, where David fought Goliath, and there's all these smooth stones there, and he picked up five smooth stones, and it's really awesome. You get so excited until you find out that every day they bring truckloads of stones and drop them in there to get the tourists excited. So it was probably something like that, but we got so excited about it because it was so meaningful. And when I look at that little shard of pottery, that little broken piece of pottery from Shiloh, it reminds me that I'm broken in my sins, but because of what Christ has done, the healer now lives inside me to make me whole. And so we're starting a new two-part series that I'm calling Perfectly Broken, and it's all about finding God's healing in the places that we try to hide. And this may be the most important series I've ever done. This little two-part series, I believe, is going to be life-changing because every one of us are broken, and we all need healing from the inside out. Now, I have to say that one of our other places that we went is one of our favorite places in the Holy Land, and that's the Mount of Beatitudes, where Jesus preached the greatest sermon ever preached on the hillside there, looking out over the Sea of Galilee. And there on the Mount of Beatitudes, Jesus preached this powerful sermon on the Mount that turned culture upside down. And when you're there, it's a really peaceful place. It's probably our favorite place in the Holy Land. It's just, you can just imagine Jesus there by the lake, and the people sitting on the hillsides like an amphitheater, the thousands, and the acoustics are so amazing, you know, that you can just whisper down below and it just carries on up off of the lake. And I can just picture Jesus there, and now there's a beautiful chapel on top of the hill, and here it is. We were there at sunset, and it was just beautiful. And then here's a picture of the sunset over the Sea of Galilee as we took communion together and looked out over the Sea of Galilee and, and just thought about that sermon that Jesus preached that really turned the world upside down. It's called the Beatitudes because the word Beatitude means blessing, and Jesus started every one of the Beatitudes with the words, blessed are those. And so the word Beatitude just means blessing, but what he said after, blessed are those, is what really baffles me, and there's so much power in it, it's so hard to really grasp because it does turn culture upside down. And it's the second beatitude that really baffles me, but there's such power in it. And it's listed on a stone plaque there on the Mount of Beatitudes, and, and here it is. And so what I want us to do is open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, because it's really what this two-part series is based on, the second beatitude. So would you stand in honor of God's word, Woodland Church? And I want to welcome all you guys worshiping with us at Woodland Church Atascacita. We love our church in Atascacita. You guys are amazing. Pastor Daniel out there um, is just rocking it. And it's just, I love you guys. And God has just grown our church in Atascacita. And then Woodland Church North Point, you guys are amazing. Pastor Dustin, it's been amazing what God has been doing out there as you guys are growing so powerfully. And all you guys here in the Woodlands, you're okay too. And I, I just want to praise God for all you guys worshiping with us through our online campus or through our broadcast ministry, wherever you are around the world. We're one church built on the Word of God. And I know that God wants to give you a word today from this very short 
powerful passage. So would you just read it out loud with me? Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Dear God, I thank you for those words. Because we all mourn. We all grieve. We're all broken. We all hurt. We all have wounds and hidden hurts that we carry. And many times we try to hide them, Lord, from you and from others. But Lord, I know that you're going to show us today through your word that it's in those hurting places, those hidden places, where we can experience you the most and your amazing power and love. And so today I pray for everyone within the sound of my voice, Lord, who's, who's going through hurt and feeling the grief of their brokenness and pain, that you would just give them such encouragement today, not only encouraging them through your word, but encouraging them through your presence. Make your presence so felt with them today, wherever they are, that your grace will hold them and heal them. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated, and I want you to think about that beatitude. What was Jesus saying there? He said, blessed are those who mourn. The word blessed literally means, oh, how very happy. Think about that for a moment. Oh, how very happy. Jesus was literally saying, happy are the sad. Think about it. He's saying, oh, how very happy are those who are sad. What was he saying? I mean, that sounds crazy to me. He was saying, blessed are those who recognize that they're broken and who grieve their brokenness and bring their brokenness to me for they will find powerful comfort. See, it's only when we grieve our brokenness do we have the possibility to experience his amazing comfort. Jesus was saying, bad news is you're broken. The good news is that means you have the potential to experience supernatural healing and comfort in your life. So really there's good news in the brokenness. And on the outside, you may look like you have it all together, but on the inside, we're all broken. We're all broken in our sins. We're all broken in our mistakes and our failures. We're all, we're all broken in our hurts and our wounds. Maybe you're experiencing a broken relationship. Maybe your marriage is really hurting today. Or maybe it's broken emotions where you've been deeply wounded by someone else and it just feels like your emotions have been shattered and you're filled with fear. Or, or maybe it's a broken dream and that, that dream that you had just feels like it, it's crashed and burned and, and it's just died and it's, and it's wounded your soul. Or maybe it's a broken heart. You've experienced a loss recently and in that loss it feels like your heart has just been ripped in two. Or, or maybe it's broken self-worth and you feel like those pottery shards at Shiloh. Your confidence has been shattered because you've experienced rejection. Or maybe it's a broken purpose. You just feel like life has no meaning and everything feels empty right now. You have no purpose. It doesn't matter what you look like on the outside. On the inside, we're all broken. Yeah, I don't know everything about you. I may not know anything about you, but I know one thing. You're broken on the inside. You carry a hidden hurt around. We all have wounds and hurts. But here's the great news. When I bring my brokenness to God, my brokenness turns into blessedness. Our brokenness turns into blessedness. Write that down. Why is that? Three reasons. First, my failures turn me to the Father. When my kids were little and 
they would break a toy or maybe their bicycle would break, they would bring it to me, their daddy, and say, daddy, fix it. They just had such confidence that their daddy could fix anything. It was misplaced confidence, that's for sure, but they really believed in me. And I have no mechanical ability whatsoever, but they just believed their dad can fix it. And because of their belief, I loved, they had such confidence in me that I would try so hard and do whatever it took to try to fix that. Put some duct tape on it or something, you know? And now it's so wonderful because as a granddad, when my grandkids come to me and say, hey, can you fix this? I say, nope, but go to your dad. He's amazing at that, you know? I put it right on them. But I loved it that my kids were confident that I could fix things. And your daddy God loves it when you bring your broken things to him, when you bring your broken toys to him and you believe that he can fix it. When you bring that broken relationship and you go, daddy God, fix it. I've tried, just falling apart. When you bring your broken heart to him, daddy God, fix it, I'm hurting deeply. You bring that broken dream to him, daddy God, can you fix it? He loves for his children to bring our broken toys and hearts and our broken dreams and emotions and hurts to him. He, he loves that, for he's the healer. Folks, in life, you're either pretending or you're depending. You're pretending like you got it all together and you can do it on your own, or you're depending on God. The prodigal son was pretending. He acted like and may have even fooled himself that he had it all together and everything was great until everything fell apart. He failed miserably and that destroyed his denial. He ended up in the pig pen of life, but that's when we see the turnaround verse right there in the middle of his failure. In Luke 15, 17, it says, when he came to his senses, he got up and went to his father. When he failed miserably and there's no way he could deny it, he crashed and burned. That's when he turned to his loving father. And some of you are pretending today. I mean, you walked in this place, and someone asked you, how are you doing? You said, oh, great. But on the inside, you're bleeding. You're hurting desperately. And I want to ask you, how are you doing really? I mean, how are you doing really? And the church ought to be the one place we can go and not pretend. Because we're all broken. The Bible tells us that. We all know that. So why would we try to hide? Why would we try to pretend that we've got it all together? I want to ask you, how are you doing really when you're hurting and you're broken? And someone says, how are you? In the church, you can just say, man, it's been a tough week. I got a doctor's report this week I'm really worried about. Or we're really struggling with one of our kids. Or, you know, it's been a rough week. I'm really broken. We can take away all the pretending so we can start depending on God. When you get rid of the pretending, you can start depending on the only one who can bring healing. Well, there's another reason why brokenness leads to blessedness. My hurts turn me to the healer. I hate to hurt, I have to admit. I hate to hurt because when I'm hurting, when I'm grieving, there's just something that you know, just scares me. I really think fear and grief go hand in hand, and there's something that, that is so fearful and it feels like is out of control when you're, you're grieving and you're hurting, and, and we hate to hurt. No one wants to hurt, but it's in my hurt that I find the healer. Now, when you're hurting, you can try to run from the hurt. You can try to ignore it. You can try to pretend it's not there. You can try to anesthetize it, or you can turn to the healer. 
In Jeremiah 17, 14, it says, Lord, you alone can heal me. You alone can save. And my praises are for you alone. Some hurts only God can heal. Only God can heal a broken heart. Really, only God can heal any hurt, even physical hurts. I'm so thankful for doctors and medicine. What a time to be alive with all the new medicines and the research that's being done and great doctors that God uses. But ultimately, it's God who heals. And so it's our hurts that turn us to the healer. Another reason why brokenness leads to blessedness is because my tears turn me to the treasure. It's through the tears of life that we start to recognize finally the treasures of life, those things that really matter. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, which is really our key passage for today, it says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Folks, we're all ordinary jars of clay. But if you're a Christ follower, you have the treasure inside you. We're gonna do a little study of this 2 Corinthians chapter four because it really tells us how we can go from brokenness to blessedness. It tells us how to receive healing from our brokenness if we'll follow these steps. First, don't hide from your brokenness. We're always trying to hide our brokenness from God and from others. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, the first part of the verse, it says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. We can just admit our brokenness because that allows the real treasure to shine through. But we're always trying to hide the broken places in our lives. We're always trying to hide that brokenness from God and from others. And really the purpose of most repairs of broken things is to hide the brokenness. I mean, think about it. If you drop a vase and it breaks and maybe it's not too bad of a break, then you try the super glue fix and your whole purpose is hopefully no one will notice that it's been broken. You're trying to hide the brokenness. The purpose of repairing broken things is to try to hide the brokenness so that no one can tell that it was ever broken. Now that's really hard to do. But there's a Japanese art that does just the opposite. Instead of hiding the flaws in a broken piece of pottery, the artist highlights them by filling the cracks with fine gold. And this art is called the art of kintsugi, and it's been going on for hundreds of years in Japan, and the word kintsugi just means golden joinery or, or patching with gold, and it's an age-old custom of repairing cracked pottery with real gold. Not only fixing the pottery, but also making it much more valuable. When we successfully repair something, we like to say that's as good as new. Uh, you know, if we repair something and do it great, it's like, it's as good as new. But with the art of Kintsugi, it's not as good as new after the repair, it's better than new, it's more valuable than new. The, the piece of pottery has a history, but it also has a new story. And that's exactly how God heals our brokenness when we bring our brokenness to God, he doesn't hide our brokenness. He fills in the cracks and the crevices with the gold of his grace so that every scar and every broken place is more beautiful than it was before the scar and the brokenness, more valuable. And our broken places point us to the healer. Psalm 34, 18 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. We're always trying to hide our broken places from God 
but it's in those broken places that we experience God the most. He says, I'm closest to the brokenness. I see it anyway, so don't hide it from me. Let me enter the brokenness so that I can line it with the gold of my grace and bring beauty to the scars so that when people see the scars, they see my healing power. It's in my broken places that I experience the love and the grace and the presence of God the most. It's the treasure of God's presence that comes through in our brokenness. It's in the broken places of my life that if I'll bring them to God, I experience God's presence in a way that the Bible says surpasses all understanding. It's in the darkest times of my life when I'm broken and grieving and mourning and hurting deeply that when I turn to him, I experience his peace like never before. It's the treasure of God's presence and God's presence is the greatest treasure. Much more than the presence that he gives us is his very presence with us and in us. That's the treasure. And then there's a second thing I need to do, and that is to rely on God when I feel like giving up. When I'm hurting and I'm broken, I feel like giving up. I feel like throwing in the towel, but it's in that place of giving up that I can find God's power. That's the only place you can really find God's power is when you stop trying to fix the problem, you stop trying to fix your circumstances, you stop trying to, on your own, fix that relationship, you stop trying to fix the situation and you turn to God and you find God's power. You realize your power runs out, but God's power fills you up. When I give up trying to fix my brokenness, I find God's power. And one of the reasons why God allows us to go through hurt and brokenness, even when we bring it on ourselves, is so that we can find his power. It's the treasure of God's power. And it's in our brokenness that God's power shines through the most. But then there's a third thing. I need to bring my brokenness to the healer. I have to bring my brokenness to God. After Jesus died and rose again, he appeared to the disciples several times, but one of the first times he appeared was when they were in a, a room together, the door was locked, and Christ was just there. And they were all amazed, it was wonderful, but one of the disciples wasn't there, Thomas. And so the disciples went and told Thomas, you won't believe it, Jesus is alive. He, he came to us, it was amazing. And Thomas said, I don't believe that. I mean, last time I saw him, he was dying a terribly painful death on the cross, and it's over, guys, just admit it. He said, I won't believe it until I see the nail scars in his hands and feet and touch them, and I touch the wound in his side. Well, the next night, they were all gathered again, and Thomas, even though he had doubts and confusion, like we all have doubts and confusion at times in our brokenness, he was still in the room. And that was so important, because even though he had his doubts, and he was going through all this confusion, and he didn't believe that Jesus could have risen from the dead. He was still in the room, still wanting to, to search, and that's so important in the middle of your doubts and the darkness of confusion, stay in the room. Keep coming to church. Keep connecting with people. Stay in the room. He was in the room, and Jesus showed up again, and this time, Jesus looked right at Thomas, and he said this in John 20, 27. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said, okay, Thomas, I hear you wanted to see me and, and here are the scars in my hands and feet and here's the, the wound in my side. Put your hand right there in that wound. 
It's me, Thomas. And Thomas said, I believe. But I wonder, why did Jesus leave the scars after he rose again? He's in a new resurrected body. He defeated death. He defeated the grave. He's healed and whole, but he could have taken away the scars, but he intentionally left the scars in his hands and his feet and his side. Why? Because his scars told the story. His scars told the story of how he defeated sin and death. And his scars reminded Thomas and remind us that all our sins are forgiven and all our guilt and shame is paid for. And it tells us the story of how much he loves us. And I believe Jesus, when we get to heaven, he'll still have those scars in his hands and his feet and his side to remind us of how much he loves us. His scars tell the story of God's glory. He didn't have to keep the scars, but he did. And in perfect heaven, he'll still have the scars. And when we go through hurts, when we go through brokenness, God heals, but yet many times we still have the scars. And those scars don't point to the hurt, they point to the healer. Because every scar tells a story. You know, I have a scar on my left knee that I've had since I was six years old. And it tells the story of how when I was six, I learned to ride a bike and I, I was so proud of my new bike and my new biking skills as I had my Swin bike with the banana seat that was so amazing. And I was getting really good at riding the bike and my family went on a bike ride and, and we were getting ready to go down a really steep hill. And my mom said, Carrie, you're gonna have to put the brakes on the whole way down. I thought, yeah, right. She must not have seen how I ride. I could ride a Harley right now, probably. And so I was so confident in myself that I just started going down, pedaling. And after about 20 feet, I went totally out of control. I mean, I just couldn't stop it. I tried to hit the brakes then, and, and I just wiped out. And I fell into some gravel on the side of the road, blood everywhere, in terrible pain, crying. And my mom and dad took me back to the house and, you know, and, and cleaned me up. Three weeks later, my knee was still infected. Went to the doctor, and he cut out a little rock out of my knee. And he gave me the rock, said, you want to keep this? And he's like, I don't know why. And I threw it away. I, I lost the rock, but I still got the scar. And that scar tells a story. It tells a story of my stupidity. Every time I say it, I think, how stupid, you know? It, it tells the story of my pride. Even at six, I had that pride. It, it tells a story, too, of the healing and what I learned. See, every scar that you have on your body tells a story. And every scar in your heart tells a story. Every scar in your life, every broken place tells a story when you allow God to heal it. And God, you bring it to God, your broken pieces to God. He comes in and he lines those broken places with the gold of his grace. And those scars no longer point to the hurt. They point to the healer of the hurt. Your scars tell the story of God's glory. We're always trying to hide our scars and our brokenness. Act like we've got it all together but we bring our scars to God, and he brings healing into our lives. And those scars remind us that God is a healer. I believe with all my heart that God still heals today. God heals broken hearts, God heals broken lives, God heals broken relationships, God heals broken bodies, God still heals today. And many times God does it instantly. We've prayed many times for people who, who needed healing, and God healed right away in a miracle kind of way. 
But then sometimes God heals through a healing process. Sometimes God uses a healing process because he's more concerned about us seeing the treasure of his purpose. And so he takes us through a process of healing. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 4.17, it says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. God is preparing us for eternity, for what is unseen. And so many times God allows us to go through hurt and pain and difficulty on this earth because he's preparing us. He's building our character to look more like Jesus. He's getting us ready to rule and reign in eternity. He's preparing us for eternity when one day all the things that are broken will be made whole. When one day all the things that are sad will become untrue. When one day there'll be restoration complete. For you see, the Bible says even creation groans for that day. Creation is broken. Everything on this earth is broken. You know that, don't you? Everything on this earth is broken. And we're always trying to repair everything, but everything on this earth is broken. Even creation, and creation longs and cries out and groans for the day that is coming. And that's why in your heart you know there's a day that you're longing for. There's, you're longing for restoration. You're longing for wholeness. There's something God placed within us that we know, and we're longing for it, that wholeness. Even the most devout atheist deep in their heart has a longing for restoration, to make things new. And that's why Jesus said, one day I'll make all things new All broken things will be made whole, and God is preparing us for that. It's the treasure of God's purpose in your life. Underline the phrase, fix our eyes. Fix our eyes in that passage. Fix our eyes. When we can't fix the problem, we fix our eyes on Jesus. When you can't fix the circumstance, fix your eyes on Jesus for his strength and his purpose. When you can't fix the situation, when you can't fix the relationship, fix your eyes on Jesus because there's no pain that can stop his purpose for your life. But then there's a fourth thing I need to do and that's risk admitting my brokenness to others. We try to hide our brokenness and God says, we're all broken, why do we hide it? Second Corinthians 4.15 says, all this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. He's saying my hurts in life ultimately benefit me for the glory of God because it it turns me to the God who heals and I can experience God's the treasure of God's power and his presence and his purpose in my life and then it turns me to God's people, the treasure of God's people. When I'm hurting enough, I admit that I need help. I need others and that's what the church is for. It's the treasure of God's people. In James 5, 14, It says, is anyone sick? He should call for the elders of the church and they should pray over him and pour a little oil upon him, calling on the Lord to heal him. And it says, if anyone is sick, if anyone is broken, if you have a broken heart, a broken relationship, broken emotions, broken body, then what do you do? You're calling the elders of the church. That's the pastors, the leaders, and the prayer leaders of the church. And they're to pray for you for healing and then to anoint with oil, and that oil just represents the Holy Spirit. Oil through Scripture always represents the Holy Spirit. And that's to remind us it's not the person praying that heals, it's God Almighty that heals. 
It's not the human that heals, it's God who heals. And the Holy Spirit, the oil we anoint with is just olive oil. It's not olive oil from the olive trees in the Garden of Gethsemane or something like that. It's just olive oil, you know, from H-E-B or Kroger. And it's, that's not the point. The olive oil, we just put it on your forehead, a little on your forehead, because we want to obey God first. And obedience brings blessing. And that's what God's word says. And then it represents the Holy Spirit, that he's the one that heals. You know, we just get to be a part of that as prayers. And at the end of our service today, we're gonna have our elders, our pastors, our prayer leaders all around the auditorium with little vials of oil. And and if you'll come up and say, hey, I I need healing in this area, that area, healing in a relationship, healing in my body, healing, you know, in my heart, whatever it is. And they'll put a little oil on your forehead and pray for you. And it says that the prayer of faith will make you well. God wants to bring healing God wants to bring strength. God wants to bring wholeness. And so we're believing God to do a mighty work today. It's been an amazing weekend of healing at Woodland Church. The church is a community of people who no longer have to hide our scars. Our scars don't tell the story of our hurt, they tell the story of our healer. Our scars point us to the one with the nail scars in his hands and feet. You see, Jesus left the scars after his resurrection, to tell you the story of how valuable you are. When we look at the scars in his hands and his feet and his side, we see the story of how much he loves us. So I wanna say to the young girl out there who looks down at your arm and sees the scars from cutting and is filled with shame, I want you to look up at the scars on the hands and feet and the side of Jesus Christ. Because when you look at his scars, they tell the story of how much he loves you and how he died to take away all your shame and all the guilt of your sin. And Jesus looks at you and he says, you're beautiful and you are loved. I wanna say to the woman who is believing the lies on the internet and social media that unless You're stick thin and starving yourself. You're not beautiful. And if you're not beautiful, you have no value. I want you to look not to those lies, but look to the scars on Jesus' hands and feet and his side. And those scars tell the truth of how beautiful and valuable and treasured you are. I want to say to the man or the woman who's running on the treadmill of success, trying to prove your worth, trying to prove you're somebody, trying to prove that you have what it takes, I want you to look up for a moment at the scars on Christ's hands and his feet and his side, and those scars tell you the story that he thinks you're worth dying for. And you can get off that treadmill of running to prove your worth because Jesus said, I settled that on the cross 2,000 years ago. And I have the power to see you through. I'll give you what it takes to make it through whatever you're going through. And you can rest in my love, my approval, my acceptance. You're valuable to me. I want to say to that mom of a preschooler who everything you do gets undone by the end of the day and you feel like what you're doing has no significance, that no one sees what you're doing, that it has no value. I want you to look into the scars and those nail-scarred hands and feet inside of Jesus Christ. And those scars tell you that what you're doing is eternally valuable 
that what you're doing is making an eternal difference and maybe no one else sees you, Jesus says to you today, I see you. And you're doing something powerful and beautiful and I love you. I see it. And then I want to say to that single mom out there who you're trying to keep it all together and you feel like you're just not enough, that you can never do enough and, and, and everything just comes crashing in and you feel like you have no value. Look into the scars on the hands and feet inside of Jesus Christ and those scars tell you that he says you're more than enough because of what I've done for you on the cross. Doesn't matter what anyone thinks, doesn't matter what anyone says, but you're more than enough that you are mine, that I love you, you're beautiful. You're my child. And then I wanna to say to that one who's trapped in addiction and the hang up is holding you back and those sins and the mess and the shame is overwhelming to you. I want you to look at the scars in the hands and feet inside of Jesus Christ. And as you look at those scars, they tell you the story that Jesus Christ defeated shame and guilt and sin to break you free from the chains of your addiction, that he can make your heart whole again, that he will love your broken heart through and through until it's whole when you bring the brokenness to him, that he loves you so much there's nothing you can do to make him love you any less or any more than he does right now. Let's look at the nail-scarred hands. Would you stand with me? And let's sing to him, and I believe that the God of the universe and those nail-scarred hands are right here, right now, reaching out to bring healing, to bring healing. But we have to show them our brokenness. And as you sing to Him, just tell Him, God, you know I'm broken, but I bring it, Daddy God, to you to fix it, to heal it, make me whole again. Bring wholeness to me. Let's thank Him for the scars. Let's thank Him for the brokenness. And let's thank Him for how He's healing our whole hearts through. And when you come to the healer with your brokenness, he heals you and he makes you whole and he will never let you go. His grace holds you now and will hold you forever and ever. I think another reason why Jesus kept the scars after his resurrection was to remind the enemy that he has no hold on us anymore that Jesus holds us now. The enemy is a defeated foe, that grace holds us now. For you see, his wounds are our weapon. Jesus' wounds are our weapon to remind sin and shame that sin and shame has no place and no hold on us now. Grace holds us now. For you see, his wounds are our weapon to remind death that death couldn't hold him, so death has no hold on us anymore. Grace holds us now. God's grace holds us now and holds us forevermore. So let's sing it to him with all of our hearts. His grace holds you forever. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Just bow our heads and if you feel led, just hold your hands up to him. That just means you're saying, Daddy, hold me. I, I need you, I'm broken. Hold me, Daddy. Hold me, Daddy God. Can you fix my broken heart? Hold me, Daddy God. Can you fix this broken relationship? Hold me, Daddy God. Can you, can you heal me? If you just hold your hands up to him and dear God, we come before you and we thank you that our hurts turn us to you, the healer. And Lord, we thank you that when we grieve, that you're right there, that you line our grief with the gold 
of your grace and power. The Lord, even in our brokenness and in our mess and our sins, that you take that and, and you put us back together again. So we bring our broken pieces to you and we ask you for your grace and for your healing. And Lord, I pray for those that need healing in a relationship, that you would just work a miracle, Lord, and bring your healing. We pray for those that need healing in their emotions, healing in their hearts, that need comfort from you, supernatural comfort that no one else can explain, that you give them your peace in the middle of the pain. And then, Lord, we pray for those who need healing in their bodies, that you would bring healing, Lord God, that you'd use doctors and their wisdom, but if you want, if not just heal them, Lord, and, but we thank you for your healing. We thank you for how sometimes you heal instantly and sometimes you take us through a healing process, but you're the healer. And one day we'll have ultimate healing in heaven. But Lord, I just pray right now for healing, that you would just, I know you're right here right now to bring healing and wholeness to our hearts. Thank you for loving my whole heart through. And Lord, I pray for all those that are stuck in sin that you would just break them free, Lord, with your power and your grace because of what you've done on the cross how you rose again. And Lord, I pray for those who need spiritual healing. They've never received you in their life, that they would just pray this prayer silently to you right now and just say, Jesus Christ, I need you. I give up pretending. I don't wanna start depending on you. I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I give you my brokenness and I ask you to make me whole again and take me to heaven one day and be the Lord of my life. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you, Woodland Church. Be back next week as we continue the series, but also Wednesday night, 7 p.m., we're having Ash Wednesday service. And then tonight, a leader rally. I'll be casting vision for the church at 6 p.m. It's gonna be a powerful week as we start Lent and get ready for the resurrection. God bless you. Thank God that grace holds you now. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.